For the fans in the Midwest, but heard coast to coast. The ones that bleed red and yellow. This is the Another Screenplay Chiefs Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Another Screenplay Chiefs Podcast. I am your host, Travis Steffen, and today we got a special guest with Kyle Herrick, and we will be talking a little more about the Houston game and what we want to look at going forward. All right, what's going on, guys? I got Kyle Herrick with me today. He was on uh, earlier in the season, in the preseason at least. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Love talking Chiefs football. So, of course, there's a lot to talk about, especially with the offensive side of the ball, but what has been probably your most uh, – what are you most impressed with so far? Uh, I would say I'm most impressed with um, how we're adjusting. Uh, I know that we're leading the NFL in scoring right now uh, per game. And I know that's something that we haven't seen for many years since Trent Green was with us. Uh, but what's been really impressive is the fact that we have been coming in with game plans. And even though they haven't worked or we've started off really slow, we seem to make adjustments and we really start pushing the ball or we run it more or we just make adjustments in general and we start scoring. It's That's been something that we've been missing, I feel like, for a while. Even though we've, you know, had Andy Reid and pretty much the same um, play calling, it seems like we're just doing more adjustments, whether at halftime or even in the middle of the quarter that we are just allowing ourselves to go with the flow and really – change it up and try new things and it's been really nice to see us open it up I mean that's I think that could help us for the entire season I think maybe that was something that was we were missing uh versus Steelers in the playoffs we just had a game plan we stuck to it but I feel like if we were doing it like we were this year I feel like we would have had a better shot because some reason we just couldn't get it going in the red zone and this year we've been much more effective I really attribute that to changing game plan uh, when it comes down to what we're doing. Yeah, we we definitely had a huge problem in the red zone last year. We we settled for a lot of field goals, and overall the offense was definitely the problem for the last couple of years, honestly. Um, but I think that Andy Reid has kind of opened up the playbook finally and uh, just kind of – you know, gave, gave Alex Smith the full playbook instead of just what he thinks that he can handle. And he's been a lot more creative, uh, a little more aggressive, and so is Alex Smith. And I don't know how much of that has to do with Pat Mahomes uh, being in the locker room now, but it, it's definitely nice to get away from that conservative style that we're so used to the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think it's nice to have a, a couple weapons that you know can go deep which brings me kind of to one of the points that we're going to be talking about, but Chris Conley's injury, you know, that sucks that he goes down because it really looked like he was starting to get trusted a lot more by Alex Smith and was actually hitting him for some pretty good gains um, beyond just, you know, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. He was actually starting to go to him, and it was kind of nice to see because uh, I know you and I both are a big fan of Chris Conley. I think he has a lot of tools that we can use. But I think that was one thing that was huge for Andy Reid was to get someone consistent downfield before we actually started pushing it a lot more. 
Yeah, and uh, Tyreek Hill taking a bigger kind of role in the offense is definitely, um, you know, not just that gadget player that we saw last year, at least early on, but uh, him being the number one receiver now, I think it opens up a lot more of the playbook. Um, you got him and Travis Kelsey. I mean, those are your two main threats. And then uh, guys like Chris Conley can kind of feed off the uh, single coverage. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely very disappointed that uh, Chris Conley got hurt. I really thought that this was going to be a good year for him. Um, but, you know, I, I, th I think that we'll be all right. You know, we st as long as we got Hill, Hunt, and Kelsey, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, and I, I think one of the major things that we're losing with Connolly is that physical blocker, mm -hmm. um, kind of like what we had with Macklin. Macklin was known to be one of those wide receivers that was willing to duke it out with a corner and willing to really be that blocker. And I think that was something that he transferred into Connolly whenever he was here, was that sometimes it's a better, bigger role to be a blocker than it is to be a receiver. And... You know, with the next person coming up, which if I had to put my vote in, I'd probably go with Robinson just because he seems to be almost the same type of player. I don't know what his his pat or his run block looks like, but that is something that you can teach. We've had many of people come into Kansas City who have always turned that have turned out to be really good players, such as Tony Gonzalez and um, Richardson. Uh, that ended up being pretty good pass blockers, but weren't that great when they started out. So it's something that can be taught, but I just hope that we can get at least some production out of the new wide receiver that's coming in. I'd like to see Smith continue to spread the ball. I mean, I looked at the box score of last game, and he threw to 11 different people, and 10 of them caught it. So I think he's understanding that he can trust a lot more of our people uh, which is really nice. And I would have to say that another reason why our offense is doing so well is our offensive line, which I have to shout out to our offensive line coach because we've had five games with four different lineups. I mean, that is usually just big news trouble. And we have really done an awesome job of sticking people in that know what they're doing right when they start. And it's kind of just amazing because generally when that happens, you're kind of fearful of what's going to happen because you just haven't seen that person. Yeah, I think a lot of that uh, we definitely had uh, with Cameron Irving coming over from the Browns. Um, you know, first round pick for the Browns a couple years ago. Uh, they put him at center and he really struggled. I don't know how much of that has to do with their coaching or their offensive line or schemes, whatever it is, but uh, he definitely looked good against the Texans at uh, playing right guard position, but it just kind of shows you how how good of a coaching we have in that in that area that we can bring in a guy you know a few weeks ago and you know about a month ago and gets his first start against the Texans and does pretty well. Yeah, and it's you know I saw one mistake that really stuck out. Only the reason it stuck out to me. Um, was because it was the same play that J.J. Watt had injured, and they just played it over and over again. Right. But they, they pulled a stunt where J.J. was actually lined up over the right guard to start, and he went left towards the left or towards the right tackle. 
and the end came in. And so our right guard kind of went more with J.J. Watt, which ended up not allowing us to get a touchdown pass on that same play because Smith couldn't step into it. But really that was probably one of the only times that I saw him actually have a bad play. I mean, it was it was really nice to see someone come in and just go instead of having so many struggles. But again, going back to what you were talking about with him struggling at center, um, I think it takes a real special lineman to be able to go to center because in college they didn't really play him at center too much. And I know you have to be real physical at center, but you have to understand that that's probably the toughest offensive line position in my opinion because you have to snap the ball you have to be worried about so many different things and usually that's the one also calling you know the calls for the offensive line that's the person that's uh checking things and then they have to snap it so they always have to be worried about something else and some linemen just can't do it and we're lucky that we have two offensive linemen that we can really kind of switch in and out of center and there's not really a big difference. And that's been really nice with Zach Fulton coming in while Mitch Morris has been hurt that he's been able to do that really without missing a beat. And yeah, he came in during the Eagles game, you know, he only played, I think, you know, seven to 10 snaps cause it was right towards the end, but going against that great of a defensive line and, not even missing a beat like you you almost didn't even notice that Mitch Morse went down but I think that the the only real difference between the two of them you know Fulton's a little bigger and stockier and uh Morse is that kind of center that they like to uh swing outside and you know be a lead blocker and Fulton's not as athletic to be able to do that but overall like I know that Fulton's had you know one or two you know uh bad snaps but I mean, the fact that you can have a guy like Fulton that you can plug into guard or center at any time is is just, it's huge. And I, I honestly don't even know that he will be here next year because I think his contract's up, and I think he could get paid somewhere. And yeah, I don't know that we'll be able to afford him. I hope, my my hope for this year is you've seen how well he's played. I don't understand why you wouldn't try him at maybe left guard whenever we get everybody healthy again. You know, I don't know how long Tardif is going to be out with his sprained knee. They didn't really say how severe it was. but Yeah, they just keep saying day-to-day. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Mitch Morris. They're not really disclosing that, which is, you know, pretty typical of an Andy Reid type of team. They just – they say there's an injury, and then they just leave that there. Uh, but I think we're going to be okay. Um, defensively, though, coming in, I was feeling better about ourselves. But I also was a little scared in the fact that I knew they had two wide receivers that are going to be awesome. Right, yeah. the uh, Fuller and Hawkins uh, are definitely – I think Fuller's a little underrated. Um you know, he's, he's kind of like that, that real deep threat, one of the fastest receivers in the league. But honestly, um, we only really saw them really get the ball in the fourth quarter. You know, I know Hopkins had that touchdown right before half, and that was his first reception. Um, but other than that, like, 
they the Chiefs really kind of kept Watson down um, in the first three quarters. He only had 80 yards passing. So yeah. I mean, I mean it. I, I was I was impressed. You know, all, the touchdowns they did give up. It was garbage time, and you know it was we weren't sending any pass rush really. Just three down linemen, and honestly, I think that some of those co- could have probably been a sack. But I definitely saw a lot of a lot of holds back there, and we saw with Chris Jones quitting on that play to yell at the ref at the end. Yeah, and uh, we you know we were texting about that during the game as we usually do, and. You and I said the same thing. He needs to finish the play. And, yeah, it was a hold. And there was a lot of holds that they didn't call. But the thing is, is you still got to play, man. Right. It's This is football. A lot of things aren't going to get called, especially holds on linemen, unless it is completely blatant or they feel like it has caused them not to get a right play. We also missed two sacks without break, because we didn't break down. Mm-hmm. We we thought we wanted to freight train him, and we couldn't do it. And that just seemed – that really kind of bugged me because we had two sacks, and that was actually two of the long, deep passes that they ended up getting, one for a touchdown and one for almost a touchdown. you got to be able to break down and get the sack. He's yeah. like a Cam Newton or a Ben Roethlisberger. No, he's not as big, but the thing is he's elusive enough to not be sacked. And that's that was one frustration I had. Um, but one thing I saw noticed this past game was that we ran a lot of one linebacker, three safety look with Sorensen playing that down safety where a linebacker should be. Um, you know, last week we had a lot of play from Ragland, and this week he really didn't do much, which was kind of – strange you know we hadn't played that look since um really both of our linebackers went down last year and we weren't really sure what Rameek Wilson could do um I'm really wondering if Rameek has something wrong with him because he's not really getting any playing time at all which is really surprising to me yeah um I know that they wanted to get a look at Raglan and kind of see where he's at. I know he only had 10 snaps this last game, but I I don't, I don't, I don't know, unless there's like some kind of hidden injury, Uh, but you, you gotta, they got to sit one of the linebackers and with uh, Aligwe and KPL being real, you know, special teams guys. uh, I kind of see why, if they're wanting to see Raglan and they want him to be that guy, but at the same time, you're not going to see a whole lot of two middle linebacker sets. And uh, I think that we've been running the three safety set a little more than you think. We've, uh, I've been looking at, you know, going back over the games and then looking at the snap counts and, you know, Murray's getting at least, you know, around 70% of the snaps. And he's usually your guy covering the tight end. And, um, you know, I said in the off season before, you know, Barry even got hurt that I thought that they were going to run a lot of, three safety sets this year and I'm okay with it because I think that Sorensen um is a better option than really any of those linebackers well and see I get what you're saying about being able to cover and things like that but that was something that I kind of saw the first couple games with Ramik Wilson was that he actually did a real good job of 
getting out to the edge, covering the running back coming mm-hmm. out. And I understand what you're saying. I did see a lot of – we've been playing a lot of the three safeties whenever it's an obvious passing down or it's obvious passing yardage. Uh, I have noticed that. But when we're playing our standard defense, we still like the two linebackers. Um, I think that they're starting to realize that maybe Justin Houston doesn't quite have the step to cover a linebacker or to cover a running back anymore um, or a tight end. We kind of saw that against Davis. He got – it took him a while to get up to the same speed, and that was something that was just different than we haven't seen for a while. Um, I think that Ford maybe has the speed still to do it because he hasn't had the knee injury. But my thing with Ford is he's starting to kind of become a little bit of an injury-prone person as well, and it's kind of starting to bug me even though he's had that capability to be that top outside linebacker when it comes to covering. Um, overall, though, I'm, I'm not upset with a three-safety look. I don't mind it. I think Parker maybe needs to come in a little lower with his hits from here forward because he's starting to get trucked trying to go high but other than that i really don't have a problem with that three safety look it's because that's the way the nfl is going towards um, with a lot more options with passing downs and more three receiver four receiver wide and tight ends being more athletic than they used to be yeah i i definitely like it. i think i do agree with you that uh Ramique wilson did look really good uh in the preseason and then even in uh, week one, uh, we saw some more of them a little bit in week two. But um, I think that right now they're trying to find that kind of, you know, see what Raglan can do if he can get back to his old self. And like I said, they're not running a whole lot of plays with two middle linebackers. So, you know, no matter which one's in there, you're neither of them are going to get a whole lot of time. Um, but I think that uh eric murray i think has stepped up huge i think he's done really well against uh reed and Ertz the last few weeks um you know he played really well against the texans but um you know that's kind of a downgrade and tied in to, compared to what he's dealt with prior uh and then you had antonio gates in there as well but um eric murray well it's been nice that. yeah what's that it's been, it's nice that he was a corner in college mm-hmm. so it's not it's something that isn't new to him to really be one-on-one, which I think was just something nice that we got even drafting him. Yeah, we drafted him as a corner, and we realized he may not have the foot speed to deal with some of the wide receivers in our league, but we definitely realized the talent was there to make tackles. He's not afraid to hit someone hard, and he's definitely got the quick feet to cover a tight end, which we thought we were losing something huge, which we did. We lost something huge when we lost Eric Berry. Right. And that sucks, but it's like you said, he's really impressed you. He's really impressed me. And I think he's starting to gain some confidence from some of his teammates too, to be really be that person to shut down some people. Well, and there's definitely uh, other areas that would hurt more than a safety position to lose a big role guy like Marcus Peters or Justin Houston. Um, but speaking of the secondary, what are your thoughts on Terrence Mitchell so far this year? I think Terrence Mitchell has done 
an excellent job. I don't think there's any problem with the way he's been playing. I love that it's his physicality. I love his timing. He's got really good timing in coming in and meeting the ball right when it hits the receiver or blocking it or just being in the right place. Understand, people, though, that like he's going to see a lot of passes his way. He's, he's going to see a lot. There's been ga- there's been a few games where I think against San Diego he had 14 uh, passed his way. There was another game he had somewhere around 11 or 12. And, you know, what I keep trying to tell people is, you know, the the first week was really the only time I really saw a problem. Um, but he didn't play all preseason, and he wasn't really out there for camp. You know, he had, he had an injury. So he's really just kind of now getting back to himself. And I think that I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's Richard Sherman, Marcus Peters, uh, Akib Tlaib, but if – Anybody, if they're getting passed to 14 times a game, they're going to give up some plays. Right. And the thing is, is like he's not going against their second person. They always tend to shove their number one against him because, I mean, that's what you do. You don't always want to see a number one on number one, you know, especially if you're an offensive coach. You don't always want to see that. And we don't really have a corner or we just choose not to have our number one corner go both sides which is fine with me. Learn to work one way because you need to be able to have a balance. And if you're having him going across the field, playing man coverage or zone coverage, whatever you want to play, it's still more coverage or there's still more yards that he has to run doing that. And I I really feel it saves some energy by him not going both sides, even though he did one time this past week, which they gave up a touchdown, but it wasn't his fault. Yeah, I got so uh, much crap for that. I, I, uh, and it, it wasn't just on Twitter, but uh, you know, I, I said on the last podcast that he gave up two, and that was before I went back and had a chance to rewatch the film. And so when whenever I commented on that, man, <laughs> my mentions were disastrous. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, that was more on Parker, but. I don't know. I I think that Marcus Peters has kind of had a two game slump, and it's, um, it's a little worrisome. I'm not you know panicking or anything. I think I don't think that uh, it will continue, but we've seen quarterbacks be a little more uh, willing to throw towards Marcus Peters, and you know we got another one coming up that is definitely not afraid of him. So right. that is, it's something to watch, but I think that. He's looked a little lackadaisical the last couple of weeks. Like, he, he feels they're not going to come at him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not in terrible position each time. And Wentz made some really good throws and put them right where they needed to be. So I, it's hard to be like, yeah, Peters is losing something. He's losing a step or whatever you want to say. But when they're making the right throw, it's almost impossible to stop it. I mean, it, that's what they get paid to do. The wide receiver gets paid to catch the ball. A quarterback gets paid to put it where it needs to be. And Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback. Yeah, he's now, this really week, good this year. And this week, this past week with, you know, with Houston, Watson, some of those passes 
you're just like, how did they even catch it? They just that was athletic by the wide receiver, and it, I think his wide receivers and tight end really helped him out a lot because a couple of those probably should have been picked, but it is what it is. I mean, that's just how it's gonna go. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know both of the ones that Terrence Mitchell gave up. One was the deep one to Will Fuller, which I don't expect Terrence Mitchell to keep up with Will Fuller all the way down the field. That's just you know, one of the fastest receivers in the league. And, you know, he, he kept up with him for the most part and made a play for it. But, uh, I, I like I said, I don't expect him to keep up one-on-one. Um, but the second one that was, you know, you could say on Terrence Mitchell, uh, that was just an incredible catch by Hopkins. I mean, Parker tipped it, and then right as he was uh, grabbing it, Mitchell, you know, pulled his arm down, stripping it, and Hopkins still was able to get it before it hit the ground. So uh, I definitely have no issues with his play this last week. And, you know, like I said, uh, Watson had 80 yards in the first three quarters. So whenever we were actually rushing after him and, you know, you saw the altercations between Hopkins and Mitchell – uh, Hopkins he was, was getting pissed. frustrated. Yeah, yeah he, he was pissed. getting frustrated. <laughs> it was awesome. I liked it, and I liked one thing that I will put Mitchell over Peters is Mitchell seems to keep his head a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, especially with jawing and physical parts of playing a corner. You know, Mitchell definitely understands that I did my part to frustrate the crap out of him anyway by just making him not catch the ball. And Peters sometimes wants to jaw back with the wide receiver. And, and I get it. It's a part of the game. I played it, and I've done it. But the thing is, it's just you have to know the extent. and Where the line I think is. Mitchell, yeah, and I think Mitchell may know, know that just a little bit better. Yeah, I always refer to is uh, Mitchell is just the most annoying corner to have to play against with how physical he is, and you know just when you think you know you got to move on him, here he comes in swatting it out of the way. So, but yeah, I mean Hopkins is in the top ten for yards this year, and he couldn't get anything going on. And you know it's 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 like you said earlier, you know Mitchell's facing top receivers you know everybody's moving their number ones over there and um the the players that we've had to go against there it's not like we're playing the 2013 schedule where you know it's just kind of easy schedule and you didn't have a whole lot of competition you know we've had multiple guys that are in the top 10 for receiving right now that we've played against so far you know cooks Ertz. um let me go back and look real quick i had that written down uh, Keenan Allen, Hopkins. So, you know, four of, the, four of the guys we've faced are in the top ten, and I think, honestly, the Chiefs has done pretty well at containing them. We've done a wonderful job. I mean, and we've faced some dang good wide receivers. I mean, what, we faced, let's see, one, I'm looking at it right now. I'm seeing one, two, three. Three of the top ten receivers in the NFL right now in in terms of yardage, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that Hopkins was actually up there. I think he was dang near number one coming Hop- into this. Hopkins week. was about 
uh, yeah, I don't know after this last game, but I know that um, after this last game, he was about around number 10. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean. And I would say that's been kind of an improvement. The thing that did worry me about uh, the Chiefs' defense was the run game. I mean, they started doing those traps, and it was eating us alive. They were pulling that guard guard and center, and it was they were making huge holes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's all, that's really the only place where that three uh, three safety look has kind of hurt us, because I feel like Rameek Wilson and Raglan can get through those blocks a lot better than Sorensen or Murray. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, you know, especially with the bend don't break, we're we're gonna have you know some yards against us, and you know I don't think people understand that as much. I think that they're just wanting you know a shutdown, no big play at all kind of thing, and they just kind of nitpick. And you know with with the Chiefs doing, you know, before this game, they were dropping an eight into coverage most of the game. And so you're asking your corners to cover a guy for five, six, seven seconds, you know, on their own. That That's a huge task. And you, you can't expect your, uh, your corners to do that play after play after play and not give up something. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely – um very high on terrence mitchell i did a article about him i think it was last week because uh, he was still getting quite a bit of um you know hate going his way but speaking of the defensive line you know we had another question about the pass rush um it was it was different this week bob sutton finally uh let houston go after the quarterback we saw a lot more uh four-man rushes uh saw some more blitzes and it, it rattled Watson. Yeah, it did. Um, it was nice to see us bring a little bit more pressure. But uh, I would say that we looked actually still pretty good with only the three-man coming. Um, I think that was maybe more or less because this was probably one of the not-as-good lines that we've faced uh, mm. the past couple weeks. I mean, there's a reason why... San Diego put up a bunch of points. There's a reason why the Eagles can put up a bunch of points. They got a good line, um, and they're big. I feel like we finally came across the line where we could actually push around a little bit more, um, obviously by Chris Jones just really dominating their right card. And offensive right line tackle. is a rag doll <laughs> next to him. <laughs> yeah. And it, but even Benny Logan, I mean, Benny Logan was doing what he wanted to. Even getting double teamed, he was kind of doing what he wanted to. Um, which was nice to see. But, yeah, I would say that was kind of a major focal point as we started bringing four people and trusting that we would be able to cover more one-on-one on the backside. Um, I think, like you just said, we were just kind of trying to figure out what we had, what what we were capable of doing. Um, And I feel like it's finally – Bob Sutton sitting there saying, okay, I can start bringing some pressure because I can trust the people behind the linebackers to really cover downfield long enough for us to get in there. Yeah, I think that, you know, you said Benny Logan. I think Benny Logan honestly has probably been the most consistent uh, guy along that line. I think that he is a huge upgrade over 
from what we've seen of Poe from last year. Um, you know, everyone remembers uh, Poe from like 2015 or 2014 before he started having back problems. But I think Benny Logan has been a huge addition. And, you know, he's not he's not as much just throwing linemen out of the way. But, I mean, he's bullying his way through a lot of double coverage. Oh, yeah. And he's, and he's shoving people back. It's not always that you have to beat him, but he's just disrupting by just shoving people into the backfield, which is definitely something we really didn't see last year from Poe. Um, I mean, don't tell my wife that because that was her favorite player. But <laughs> um, but I, I actually think we might have upgraded. It, it really has been nice to see a, a nose guard that's capable of just destroying a center one-on-one. Right. Uh, all right, so before we go, I got uh, one more thing. We touched on it a little bit, but uh, I wanted to talk about it a little more. But um, who is your best replacement for Conley and why? Oh, see, I, I know a lot of people would say probably um, number 12, but Wilson just doesn't seem to do that well whenever he gets put on the outside um, doesn't seem to be able to get the space like he needs to. Um, I would say that my favorite would be Robinson um, who was a draft pick from a couple years ago uh, in which he just is about the same size. He can, he can really stack up against a corner. He can push him. He can get it open He's got pretty good speed in general, um, but, but I feel like that would be my favorite one to watch. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'd go with Robinson as well just because, um, one, like you said, I think Wilson is better in the slot. Um, but also, we haven't really seen a whole lot from uh, our rookie receiver, Chesson, and um, while Robinson kind of struggled, you know, during camp in the first part of the preseason, you know, we really saw what he can do in that fourth game with Mahomes. And, you know, he comes in here and there uh, throughout the weeks uh, in the regular season, but he had a really good catch this, you know, against the Houston Texans. And um, while he's not as strong as Conley, I think that he is, you know, the best fit for that outside role. Yeah, um, and he, I love his hands. And they say he's the type of receiver that can get open, and once he does get open, he is super fast when he gets the ball. <laughs> I mean, they say that he can flat out run. Yeah, um, he's, so I'm, I'm excited to kinda, see what he can do. Which is kind of the same thing that, Conley was able to do if he got the ball. I mean, once he got it, he could actually outrun some people, and it was kind of nice. Yeah, he's got that, but, that uh, fast tops, top end speed, but he's not real quick. I think Robinson's a little quicker than he is and uh, able to change directions a little faster, but Conley's got a really good top end speed, and you know that's why I really wanted to see him be used as more of a deep threat instead of what they've used him in years past as doing a lot of these, you know, quick little short routes. Right. But, 
Well, that's all we got for you guys today. Uh, we'll have Kyle back on uh, for the Friday episode, so check back there. We'll be talking a little more on the offensive side and talking the Steelers game coming up this weekend. So thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Uh, always love football. Nice to see us 5-0. and Can't complain there. Have a good one, guys. Thank you for listening to the Another Screenplay Chiefs podcast over on Blog Talk Radio. If you'd like to get more information regarding your Chiefs, make sure you follow me on Twitter at StephanNFL. You can go to Facebook and find the Facebook page at Another Screenplay, or you can go over to Arrowhead Addict and find any of my articles there. Make sure you leave a rating or review, and let me know what you guys want to hear from here on out.